we can get going now. Uh, good morning. My name is Sean Emsley, and this is the Letter to Philippi live broadcast, the uh, daily study in Paul's Letter to Philippi. And today we begin again looking at Paul's Letter to Philippi, starting with verse 1. On June 1st, we began this live broadcast where we went through uh, the uh, four chapters of the book of Philippi. We we just completed it on Tuesday. Actually, yesterday we had the introduction to the to the book, which was which was uh, left out in our first time through for the sake of jumping right into the study. But uh, we're going to actually go through the letter to Philippi again as we've added more streaming sites that we had at the beginning. We are uh, looking to uh, again present. The, the study from uh, based on my book book uh, my commentary on Paul's letter to Philippi which was reproduced by letter of press in 2019 so uh, we'll be getting started here with our study and uh, we'll begin with a word of prayer and uh, we'll jump right into looking at Paul's letter to Philippi Lord, you're good. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to again look at the holy words of your servant, Paul. Help us, Lord, to like him, to model you each day, and help us become more and more and more in the Messiah because of our study in your word and our desiring to become more like you. We thank you for Yeshua, who is our life. Amen. So it's great to be back with you. We, as I said, we uh, this will be our our second time going through the letter to Philippi, Philippi known as the the book or letter to the Philippians. And uh, today we, we we will look at uh, verse one of chapter one, as uh, Paul begins this letter to the people of Philippi. And we are doing this this uh, this actually will be our our third time going through the letter to Philippi on Facebook Live, but now we've added Instagram Live, YouTube Live, Twitter Live, and also live on our website. So uh, now we'll be actually doing the whole the whole class on the, the five different platforms. So uh, again, my name is Sean Imsley, and this is Letter to Philippi Live, an initiative of the new Messian Jewish organization Letter to Philippi, which is a, the a Messianic Jewish theological organization focused on building 21st century Messianic Jewish theology. And uh, our first initiative is this study through the book of Philippians. And uh, we will be adding new initiatives. We have our Messianic Jewish book reviews, which will be starting next week. And we'll, we'll be looking at it at uh, the new book, Basora, by uh, Rabbi. Russ Resnick and, and Rabbi Dr. Mark Kinzer. So that'll be our first look, book that I'll be reviewing for you next week. We'll have with a video and a, and a web, web uh, review available next week on that book. And hopefully we'll be able to do weekly, a weekly uh, Messian Jewish book review on a new book books relative to the building of Messianic Jewish theology, book, books by, by different Messianic Jewish theologians, books by 
by those in the academic world that have a have an import for the building of Messian Jewish theology and books books from the Jewish world that are useful in developing and understanding our faith as Jews following the God of Israel and the Messiah of Israel. And that will, I keep, I've been saying that for weeks, but now I'll actually, actually jump into that next week and we'll have a, our first of the Messian Jewish book reviews next week. So we'll begin our study in the book of Philippians. For those who have been with us in the past, this will be a, a somewhat of a review because most of the material will be the same, but uh, we'll we'll have new new items at each time as this as this class is taught. As I said, this is the third time that uh, I've been going through my commentary on Philippians on Facebook Live. So we're now adding this to the other other uh, platforms to this. So Paul begins his letter to the Philippians with the words, To all God's people, united with Messiah Yeshua and living in Philippi, along with the congregation leaders and Shamashim, the deacons. The writer of this letter is the Apostle Paul, or in, in the Complete Jewish Bible, he's referred to as Rav Shaul, also known as Shaul or Rav Shaul. The complete Jewish Bible uses the name Shaul for all references to Paul in the Berich Hadashah, the New Testament. Shaul was his Hebrew or synagogue name. And like other Jews of the time, he also adopted a Greco-Roman name, Paulus, or in English, Paul. The second Gentile name was usually chosen based on a similar sound or other relationship to the Hebrew name. A similar naming practice occurs today by Gentiles who convert to Judaism or Jews who were not raised religiously when they adopt a Jewish name related to their birth name, for example, Reuben or Reuven for Robert or Shoshana for Susan. Starting in Acts 13.9, we encountered Paul's two names. We read, Then Shaul, also known as Paul, Filled with the Ruach Kodesh, stared straight at him. From this point forward in Acts, Luke refers to Shaul by his Greco-Roman name, Paul. Also, the Paul refers himself by this name in all of his letters. Throughout this commentary, we'll use the name Paul, reflecting his own use and that of other source research materials. This name change from Shaul to Paul in Acts could be understood as marking a shift of focus and field of service from Shaul, the Jewish disciple, to Paul, the apostle Messiah, to the whole world, to the Gentile world. This globally recognized name, Paul or Paulus, reflecting his new global mission. This understanding is in contrast to the teaching in much of, of uh, Christian understanding that Paul changed his name from Shaul to Paul to reflect his change of, from going from Shaul the Jew to Paul the Christian. But we, we see that this, this is, is incorrect because we know that Paul lived the rest of his life as a Jew following the Messiah. And this, this change of name is better understood as him taking on 
a more recognizable Gentile name as he really began the outreach to the Gentile world. Apollos was a familiar name, and he was able to use that in the mostly Gentile world. In fact, he's an educated Jew from the, from, from the Pharisees. Paul would take his knowledge of the Tanakh and Jewish tradition to communicate the message about Yeshua to the Philippians. So Paul's name changed is best understood as him, him taking on, on the, the name Paulus or Paul, reflecting his entry now into the mostly Gentile world he was bringing the message of Yeshua, not an abandonment of his life as a Jew, but as, as a recognition of his new mission, his mission to be the apostle to the Gentile world. Timothy was one of Paul's most loyal co-workers who joined Paul as he was beginning a second missionary journey to the Asia Minor Messianic communities. And, and Timothy was also with Paul on that journey when they entered into Macedonia and they entered into Philippi. So, so Timothy is, is considered a co-writer along with Paul of this letter, a co-sender of this letter. And he was there at the, at the beginning of the Messianic community in Philippi. The purpose of this journey, the second missionary journey of Paul, was to share the rulings of the Jerusalem Council that Gentiles could become members of the Messianic community without first converting to Judaism. Timothy is introduced to us in, in Acts 16.1.4, where we read, Shaul came down to Derby and went on to Lystra, where there lived a Talmud named Timothy. He was a son of a Jewish woman who had come to trust in Yeshua and a Greek father. All the brothers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Shaul wanted Timothy to accompany him, so he took him and did a barit malah, a circumcision, because of the Jews living in those areas, for they all knew that his father was Greek. As they went on from through the towns, they delivered to the people the decisions reached by the emissaries and the elders in Yerushalayim for them to observe. In this introduction to Timothy, we see that he was the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother who would become a follower of Yeshua. As we will learn in 2 Timothy 1.5, that his grandmother Eunice was also a Messianic Jew, making him a third generation Messianic Jew. Though we do not know why Timothy was not circumcised at, at eight days old, it appears in the text that, that his Greek father may have objected to having his son circumcised, possibly because of the Greek ideal of not desecrating the perfect human body by removing the foreskin. That the that his father was being Greek, and the Greek mindset was that any 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 change to the human body, the, the human body itself was perfect. So th they they saw that that the, that the act of circumcision would actually be mutilating the perfect human body. So we can understand that him him as a, as a Greek would not want his son circumcised. But we will see this becomes a problem as, as Paul will be reaching out this this one this to the to the Jews of, of, uh, of Asia Minor and also Macedonia, because 
because they would know that his mother was Jewish, that he, but he was not circumcised. So Paul ha Paul actually took it upon himself to circumcise Timothy as an adult to to complete his his identity and to to take away the amb ambiguous nature of whether he was a Jew or a Gentile. He was born of a Jewish mother. He was was a part of the the descent from from Abraham, descent from of the Jewish people. So, so in circumcising Paul, took away any question of his Jewish identity. To prevent any confusion over Timothy's status as a Jew, or any issues among the Jewish communities and synagogues on their journey that could interrupt their gospel work, Paul circumcised Timothy. Paul did not want Timothy's possible ambiguous Jewish identity to pose a roadblock in the work of sharing the message of Yeshua among the Jewish populations of Asia Minor and Macedonia. The fact that Timothy was Jewish and uncircumcised would have caused a stumbling block to the mission of sharing the Jewish Messiah with fellow Jews. So the people would have known that he was of Jewish descent but was not circumcised, and that would cause him to question whether, whether those who were following Yeshua Jewish followers Yeshua were continuing to practice Judaism, continuing to circumcise their sons. Paul demonstrated Timothy's importance to him as a co-worker and disciple by mentioning Timothy in eight of his letters. In eight of Paul's letters, he mentions Timothy, but it shows the, the deep bond they had together. And Timothy himself also received two of Paul's letters, which we know as first and second Timothy. Or two letters that Paul specifically wrote to his his disciple, his student Timothy. Paul may have included Timothy in the greeting portion of letters to indicate that Timothy functioned as his secretary, who physically wrote down the letters that was dictated to him. Paul also endorsed Timothy's authority as a leader by including him in the opening greeting. So one we have have in this letter that that it, it says from Paul and Timothy to the Philippian community. By Paul Paul here, including Timothy, one, it could be that, that, that Timothy was actually the scribe that wrote down this letter as Paul dictated it to him. And also Paul was wanting to, to endorse the authority of Timothy as a leader, as a one that was that was that was under his authority, and the one who who was who was guaranteed and bona fide as a leader under the leadership of Paul, that in including him in this in this introduction to the letter, he wanted to share that, that Timothy shared the authority of him as, as a leader. As he was a leader of the community, they should also look upon Timothy as a leader to follow. Paul refers to himself and Timothy in this verse as slaves of the Messiah. This self-identification is an essential precursor to one of the essential themes of this book, meaning the followers of Yeshua to model Yeshua's humility and willingness to be a slave, a humble servant willing to give their lives for the Messianic community. Paul will use the Greek word slave, doulos, to refer to Yeshua later in Philippians chapter 2. So we see that, that Paul, Paul refers to him in as it begins this letter, to Tim and Timothy, as slaves of the Messiah Yeshua, 
as ones who are totally given over to the service of the Messiah. And we see that in the use of, of this word douloi, the Greek word douloi, which is a plural of doulos, the, the, uh, the individual form, and calling themselves slaves of the Messiah, this, this, this leads into the theme throughout the whole book of humble servanthood modeling the Messiah. So as, as, as we will see in the, the Messianic hymn of chapter two, the highest example of humility, the highest example of self-sacrifice, the highest example of servanthood and being a slave to Hashem is Messiah Yeshua. Paul here in this opening words of his letter is making clear that him and Timothy are devoted to being slaves of the Messiah. And as they are leaders of the community in, in Philippi, they call the people of, of Philippi, the believers in Philippi, to like them to become douloi, slaves of the Messiah also. As they, they model the Messiah Yeshua, they called the people of Philippi to model him and to become true slaves of the Messiah Yeshua. Given the nature of life in the Roman Empire and the major cities such as Philippi, the Philippians would be familiar with slavery and would have meant in their society to be a slave. In the use of douloi for slaves, to represent himself in Timothy, and later refers to Yeshua as a doulos, or a slave in the Messianic hymn, Paul is being clear to the Philippians that following Yeshua means, and what modeling of the Messiah means, and that is to be a slave of the Messiah, one who is totally given over to service, totally given over, totally given over to a self-sacrificial way of life, a humble self-sacrifice, which is a theme that runs throughout the whole book. The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament says that the word doulos, the Greek word doulos, means that the service is offered by the slave out of submission and dependence on the master. This description certainly applies to Paul and Timothy, who are entirely devoted to their master and Lord Yeshua, and they called the Philippians and us by example to also be totally devoted to our master and Lord Yeshua. For Paul being a slave of Messiah was a wholehearted, joyful act of submission to Yeshua as Lord. Being a slave of Messiah was to Paul the realization of true freedom. And that's and that that's part of the counter culture nature of what Paul's calling here. Being a slave of Messiah was to Paul the realization of true freedom. In being a, a doulos of the Messiah, being a slave of the Messiah, Paul finally knew true freedom by giving his all to the Messiah. By giving his all to serving the Messiah, he was totally now free and, and has come to understand true freedom by being totally enslaved to God and his Messiah and no longer enslaved to sin and death. In Romans 6.22 we read, However now, freed from sin and enslaved to God, you do get the benefit it consists in being made holy, set apart for God, 
and the end result is eternal life. So in being a slave of the Messiah, Paul knows freedom now from sin and death and knows that in his enslavement to God, he has eternal life ahead of him. That in, in taking on Yeshua as his Lord and Master and voluntarily becoming a slave of the Messiah, he is truly free, free both now and forever, free from sin, free from death because of embrace of the one who conquered both sin and death. Paul's enslavement was no longer to sin and death, but to Yeshua and life. Both now and eternally, in his slavery to Yeshua, he was truly free from enslavement to sin. Though it was detrimental to call oneself a slave in Greek and Roman culture, Paul here is teaching a lesson to the Philippians on the critical role of being considered a slave of the Messiah, echoing the use of servant as a title of honor for someone chosen for service to the Lord of the Tanakh. In the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, which was done, which was done by 72 Jewish scholars. In in the in the period before the before the uh, the coming of Messiah in in the, the second century of the of the of before Messiah in the in the, the Septuagint the Greek translation of of the Tanakh the word doulos is used referring to Moses Joshua and David in 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 translation of the Hebrew word Evid, that was translated as doulos in the, above pas in the passages in the Tanakh referring to Moshe, Joshua, and David. They refer to as Evid Hashem, the servants of God. In the translating of the Hebrew Bible into Greek, the, those who translated the, the, the Septuagint used the word doulos to refer to these these great men of the Hebrew Bible who were Evid Hashem, servants of God, slaves of God. And this is the same word that Paul here is referring to himself and Timothy, that Paul and Timothy are slaves of the Messiah, as Moshe, Joshua, David, and others in the Tanakh are referred to as Evid Hashem, as slaves of the God of Israel. Paul also makes clear that he is a slave of Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah. His devotion to Yeshua is central to his self-identification. It is in finding and submitting himself to the Jewish Messiah that Paul sees meaning in his life. And he stated clearly here that his only proper response to his encounter with the Messiah is his subjection to him as a slave. Those are powerful words. His identification as a slave of Yeshua motivated him to model Yeshua and commend the same way of life to the Philippians.
Paul here is, is making clear that that his devotion is so deep and his devotion to God and his devotion to the Messiah were central to his self-identification that he understood himself as one who was enslaved in the Messiah, that his whole identity is tied up with him being in Messiah. And it is in his submission to the Messiah that Paul sees meaning in his life, that he sees that his life, even though he's now imprisoned, has meaning because he's able to make the Messiah known by his words and by his letters written to the people. He commends this life, way of life, and commends this life of being a slave of Messiah to the people in Philippi. So that that is basically the 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 uh, the greeting that Paul gives to 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 the greeting and basically the the return address label of this letter that he was writing to to the people of Philippi, letting them know that this letter was coming to them from Paul and Timothy, slaves of the Messiah, Yeshua. And he calls on the Philippians from there to understand that they are to also to be slaves of the Messiah as they are, as they are seeing Paul and Timothy living out their lives. And then we come to the, the address label of this letter, to all God's people united with Messiah Yeshua, living in Philippi. Paul wrote the letter to the people in Philippi, the city what is now in the modern country of Greece. It was the first city in Europe, the first city on the European continent, where Paul visited and established a Messianic community. As seen earlier, Philippi had a minimal Jewish population, so Paul was writing to a mostly Gentile Messianic community, though there would have been some Jews and God-fearers, who were members of the community. The phrase all God's people is rendered all God's holy people in some translations. The Greek word hagios, sometimes translated as holy ones or saints, is used in the Septuagint to translate the Hebrew word kadosh. Scholar Mark Nana sees in his phrase all God's holy people Paul continuing his connection to his, his fair sage Jewish tradition, holiness within, within that life, and his desire for the Philippians to be holy. But Nano sees that in his reference to them being the holy ones or saints, that he was continuing to focus on his, his fair sage tradition, his life of, of, of a Pharisee was focused on holiness in everyday life, that he was calling the people of Philippi to understand their holiness now. In Messiah. And Paul is bringing these Gentiles of Philippi into a life of holiness, walking in a new way of life for them within the context of a Jewish understanding and a framework for their issue of faith, even as they remain Gentiles. So Paul is calling on the community to understand that they're entering into a new life, that in their coming to know Yeshua, they have not just taken on a new religious tradition, but they've taken on new life. They've taken on the life as followers of the Messiah, followers of the God of Israel. And continues, continues on, and this is an interesting, interesting 
addition to this to the this letter, which only which only occurs here in Philippi, where Paul says, along with the congregational leaders in Shamashim, he adds along to this to this the uh, basically the address label that, that points out that he wants to make sure that the congregational leaders and the Shamashim know that he's sending this too. Paul makes a point to include in his opening words a greeting to both the congregational leaders and Shamashim, the deacons. In doing so, Paul is showing that there was an established leadership over the community of Philippi. And Paul wanted to alert these leaders on their roles and responsibilities to learn from Paul as the overseer for all the missing communities and to teach the, uh, those under their spiritual authority in Philippi to walk in God's ways, that they as leaders in the community were to be examples to the larger Messianic community in Philippi and were to model Paul as he modeled the Messiah. The role of elders over a synagogue was familiar from Jewish practice. The original 12 Talmudim of Yeshua would have led in the early Messianic Jewish community in Jerusalem and serve as a continuation of the established practice. They were joined by Yaakov, James, the brother of Yeshua, who became leader of the Jerusalem Messian community. These elders were to be devoted to the spiritual needs of the community and to continue the focus they chose shamashim, or deacons, dedicated to the physical needs of the people. Paul and Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 gave a listing of the requirements for those to be elders in Shamashim. In referring to the congregational leaders in the greeting, Paul could be making them aware of his message of the community, especially in reference to false teachers that we'll see in chapter three, and also to deal with the issue of disunity among two leaders in the community, which we will see in chapter four. As spiritual leaders in the community, the congregational leaders in the Shamashim were to stand for the truth of the gospel, the truth of the good news about Messiah, against false teachings like shepherds over a flock. And they were also to, to stand in their leadership role to bring unity in the community by bringing together these two leaders that we'll see in chapter four who are in disunity. These leaders would also be called upon, as I said, in chapter four, to deal with a dispute between two leaders, Avodi and Syntyche, two of the women who were in leadership positions in the community. So Paul, in specifically referencing the leadership of Philippi, he was calling them to really be aware of what he's saying and to understand their role in dealing with the false teachers in chapter three, and also the disunity among leaders in chapter four. Given that Paul's motivation for writing the letter was to thank the Philippians for their gifts to him, Paul here could be greeting the letter, leaders of the community who are responsible for collecting and distributing the contributions of the Philippians to Paul. So another reason mentioning them is Paul wanted to, to point out his thankfulness to the leadership of the community who collected the funds that were given to him. Though a fully formed congregational leadership structure in the early missing communities is understood to be a later development, it appears in the screening that at least in Philippi, a congregational structure, including congregational leaders in Shamashim, existed. There are those who, who look upon this, this, this letter 
being written in a later date than than we than we hold that it would be in the mid middle part of the first century. We say that the full structure of congregational leadership was a later development in the Messianic communities and the churches that would develop. So there's question over over this, but we can see from from the way of that at least here in Philippi, at this early time, as I said around 62 of the Common Era, there was an established established synagogue leadership structure, established Messianic community structure, and this this could come from from the Philippian the way of life in Philippi, which was a Roman colony, so structured leadership of, of community, structured leadership of groupings would be familiar. So taking on on the the structure of life in Philippi, these leadership positions could be reflective of just the way of life it was in Philippi. If there was to be an organization or a group, they would have they would have leader a leadership structure. And this is where this is possibly where we can see this early early state in the messy community to have a, a structured leadership leadership structure set up. From Acts 16 in the letter of the Philippians, we learn of several leaders by name in the Philippian messy community, including Lydia, Yodia, Syntyche, Syzygus, Clement, and, and the other fellow workers of Paul. So we know that, know that there were these leaders in the community, and Paul, in opening this letter, wanted to make sure they understand that he was sending them words of thanksgiving for their giving to him, and wants to make sure that those who were responsible for collecting the funds for him know of his gra gratitude toward them. And also, in their roles of leadership and protecting the community, Paul calls them to stand up against false teaching, which we will see in chapter 3 as they are shepherds of the Messianic community in Philippi. And also in chapter four, he calls on the leaders of the community to get together with Yodia and Syntyche to bring these leaders back into communion with one another, back in union in Messiah together. So we can see that from his specifically referencing the leaders in the community that Paul was, was calling them out to understand their responsibility and that they were they had actions that they had to take based on what they were to hear in this letter. So in this, this concludes verse one. We've gone through uh, chapter one, verse one, and uh, we will continue on with chapter one, verse two in our next time together. So where we are starting again, going through Paul's letter to Philippi, and as I said, this is our first time going to all, all five of our platforms with this study. And we will be continuing on with uh, chapter 1, verse 2 at our next time together. And this is Letter to Philippi live. We come to you Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem time. And... Uh, this is an initiative of Letter to Philippi, a new Messianic Jewish theological organization. I am the founder of Letter to Philippi and the teacher of this of this broadcast. And along with our our live stream platforms, we're also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast distributors. 
Just search for Letter to Philippi live and download our uh, podcasts. Our audio podcasts are available for subscription. And uh, that will include our time together. We'll have a closing word of prayer. And uh, we'll go on with our day. So, Lord, you're good. We thank you. We bless your holy name. We thank you for the Messiah who gives us life. We thank you for your righteous servant, Paul, who gave us these holy words. We thank you, Lord, that we live each day in the light of our Messiah, in whose name we pray. Amen. So thank you for watching Letter to Philippi Live. This is Sean Emsley, your teacher. And uh, we have concluded Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, we will go on to Philippians chapter 1, 2, as Paul starts his letter to the Philippians. And this will be a uh, third time through Paul's letter to Philippi that we've been that we've been doing this is our uh, our time now going through all of our our new platforms so thank you for watching and uh, if you want inf any information on letter to Philippi just go to letterphilippi.org you can ask any questions you want for us you can purchase my commentary on Philippians from our resources page. You can listen to all of our previous classes on our, our uh, teaching page. You can leave a prayer request. We want to be praying for you. You make a contribution to this work on our giving page. And as I said, next week we'll be, be debuting our first Messian Jewish book review. And that will be on, on, we'll let you know about that next week. So thank you for watching. Have a good day. Shalom for now. Letter to Philippi.